Have any unexplained crazy ghost stories you'd like to share with us? Well, then write into unexpectedhaunting739 at gmail.com. That's right, unexpectedhaunting739 at gmail.com. Send us in a media file or just write in. As simple as that. We hope to hear from you guys soon and thank you for your continued support. The Amityville House. What really happened there? Well, on today's episode, we're going to be hearing from Ed and Lorraine Warren through a book called The Demonologist. And let me tell you, it's not pleasant. More are coming up for you on today's episode of Unexpected Hauntings. Stay tuned. Get ready for an eye-opening podcast that will have you on the edge of your seat. These stories have been approved by my friends to be told, and now they will be shared with you. Now listen if you dare. What's going on, everyone? Ben Shields here, and you're listening to... That's right, everyone. Uh, Welcome back to another episode of Unexpected Hauntings. This is our special episode of our Amityville episode. I'm so excited to be reading some of the Demonologist for you guys today on um, no other than Ed and Lorraine Warren and their experiences on um, visiting the Amityville house. It's going to be insane, guys. Um, Of course, we're going to give you a little bit of a background first of what they do on their Q&A sessions and um, very interesting questions that people ask them and the answers are even more interesting. Um, And then, of course, we will hop into their experience at Amityville. I'm not going to go too far into that because I want it to be somewhat of a secret for you guys. But um, if you guys like us, write us a review. Uh, We would love your support. Um, Write us a review. Hit that subscribe button and share us with everyone. We would love to have you guys support. We'd love to grow. And we are continually um, growing on our social media. I just wanted to shout out to that as well. Um, Our Facebook page is growing and it's growing and growing and it's awesome. Of course, um, we're not as active on Reddit and um, we're trying to get more active on Instagram as well. But um, most of our content um, goes to our Facebook page. So follow us on Facebook page. Um, Hit that subscribe button on our Apple and Spotify. and uh, write us a review. We'd love to hear back from you guys. And excuse me, if you guys really um, want to write in some ghost stories, we are still deeply in need for ghost stories um, to continue our unexpected hauntings podcast. We need you guys' ghost stories. We need to hear from you, the people, the listeners out there. Um, so write into us at unexpectedhauntings739 at gmail.com and we'd love to hear from you guys and um, just we just love y'all support too. I'll just throw, it out, throw that out there. We love y'all support and the show could not be um, be possible without you guys. So just uh, we just wanted to thank you for that and um, we hope that you enjoy this special episode of the Amityville readings of the demonologist. So here we go. Hope you guys enjoy. 
During the slide lecture, the Connecticut audience sit silently as Ed and Lorraine detail case after case of spiritual phenomena, illustrating their comments with slides of ghosts, psychic lights, levitations, and materialized objects. Dan Greenberg says in his book, Something's There, that if the Warrens said they saw a ghost, they saw a ghost. When the auditorium lights come back on, dozens of hands immediately shoot up in the air. An integral part of the Warrens' public lectures is the question and answer session that follows, follows their talk. Here, people can sort out the whole strange topic of spirits for themselves, because it is possible to ask the Warren to question and get a straight answer in reply. For Ed and Lorraine, this is neighbor talking to neighbor now. Now that you're ready to move into a haunted house, Ed kids the audience, let's take the first question. An older man with gold-rimmed glasses stands up. I'm old enough to be your father, Ed Warren, but in my whole life I've never seen any of this sort of phenomena, as you call it. Have you seen a ghost yourself? Have you ever seen these objects levitate? He sits back down. In my lifetime, I've seen many materialized ghosts. Ed tells him over the microphone. The ghosts you saw on these slides tonight were photographed by me, or by psychic photographers working with me on investigations. Later this year, in fact, we're going to England to try to get a photograph of the Brown Lady of Rhineman Hall, Lady Dorothy Walpole, one of the most famous ghosts there is. Not far from there is Borley, the most haunted area in England. Both Lorraine and I have been, have seen the Borley nun walking along the road, and this time we'll try to photograph her too. Taking a sip of, sip from a glass of water, Ed continues, As for levitations, yes, I've seen levitations of all kinds. This case I showed you tonight was demonical activity, not ghosts. During the progress of the case, I witnessed a 400-pound refrigerator lift off the floor. In another case, I watched a console television set rise slowly in the air, then come down with a deafening, explosive crash. Yet not one tube was broken. There are just two instances that come to mind, although levitations occur in many cases where spirits, both human and human, are behind the disturbance. So to answer your question, sir, yes, I have seen a ghost. Yes, I have seen levitations occur. Ed points to a tall, blonde-haired lady who stands up to speak. In the Amityville Horror, the author cites an old belief that evil spirits can cross over water. She says, is that true? No, that's just an old superstition, Ed tells her. Spirits are not affected by physical boundaries, or by distance, for that matter. Simply by thinking about a particular spirit is enough to draw that spirit to your side. Lorraine calls on a teenage boy who'd been sitting up from the stage. What do you mean by supernatural? He wants to know. If you look the word up in a dictionary, you'd find that supernatural means activity caused by God or his angels, Lorraine tells him. But most people don't relate to the term that way. So instead, we use the word in the way it's most commonly understood, that is, activity caused by any force or agent that is not part of our physical, earthly realm. 
Technically, the phenomena caused by inhuman spirits are called preternatural activity. To put it another way, the phenomena caused by inhuman spirits could be considered negative miracles. Next, Ed points to a woman in the middle of the crowd. If I were to die tomorrow, she asked, would I become a ghost? It's possible, Ed replies, but not probable. Still, if you died suddenly and unexpectedly, say in an accident, and you refuse to accept the fact that you're physically dead, then quite likely you'll remain earthbound until such time as you realized that you were out of the game, that you were dead. In the meantime, while you're trying to sort this problem out as a spirit, you'd probably remain earthbound in familiar surroundings, like your home. Nothing would seem different to you if you'd be able to see and hear other members of your family, just like before, but, you, but they wouldn't be able to see or hear you. What's the matter? You, may, you might ask. Why don't they pay attention to me? So frustrated, you find a way through mind over matter to start causing objects to move or slam doors in order to get attention. Of course, all you'll really succeed in doing will be to scare the wits out of your family. At that time, your folks might get hold of Lorraine and me, who would then come to the house and have a dis discussion with you as a spirit, so you'd be able to pass over correctly. How did you two originally become involved in the Amityville case? A tan gentleman in a rugby shirt asked the Warrens. Also, what did you do during your investigation that others didn't? The questions enlivened the audience. It's apparent they want to hear the answer too. Your long question, sir, requires a long answer. Lorraine Warren answers him grace graciously. All right, guys. Um, that was cool. So I know that that was that is a segment from the book. Um, I just wanted to give just a little bit of a background of kind of what Ed and Lorraine Warren do. Um, that they do like, of course, this is probably their Q and A session, but they're going to go into Amityville, uh, of course, in the next um, little segment after I'm done talking. Um, and uh, I just, I don't know, I just thought that it would be interesting to put across some of the questions that these people asked. Um, like, I thought that was interesting how that person asked, if I were to die today, would I become a ghost? And I'm sure a lot of people are wondering if that's true or not. Um, and he puts it really well. I think um, that, yeah, if you do die unexpectedly and you don't know that you're dead, believe it or not, some ghosts do think that. They don't know if they're dead or not. And they're still earthbound. And then once they found, find out and, and um, wake up to the realization that they are dead, then they will pass over. Um, but that is um, some interesting questions. Really cool about levitations and ghosts and stuff that they've encountered. And the Borley Nun. Um, I just wanted to touch that too real quick. Um, I'm wondering if that refers to the Nun series or the Nun movie um, that was branched off from The Conjuring. Um, very crazy Nun-looking... <laughs> Thing that popped out of the painting. I wonder if that was the burly nun, and it could very well be. But anyways, guys, I'm going to stop talking here, and I'm going to continue on reading.
That's okay, he calls out. All right, then. Lorraine begins. Our involvement started the last week of February, 1976, when we received a phone call at our home from a young woman, a television producer in New York City. She wanted to know if we had time to look into a so-called haunted house on Long Island. I told her maybe, but said first I'd have to know more details. She then explained about the 1974 Defoe murders and Lutz's experience in the house. After that, the young woman told me that her TV station was covered the work of parapsychologists and psychic researchers who entered the home right after the Lutz's family fled. However, after a month's time, these investigators hadn't come up with concrete answers. So she wanted to know, could we hold a seance in the house and tell, tell them if spirits were behind the problem? Yes, I told her, we could investigate the house. However, holding a seance would be quite another matter. She understood. While I was on the phone, I consulted with Ed, who agreed it would be all right to investigate the case. When we went to Long Island, we then met George and Kathy Lutz for the first time. The Lutzes had been staying at Kathy's mother's house. George and Kathy said they didn't want to even come near the house they, they owned. We had to go to them to get to the house keys in order not to prejudice our inquiry. We didn't interview we didn't we didn't interview the Lutzes at the time. We did, however, ask them a few pointed questions to test their sincerity. They were sincere, all right. They were scared to death. For this part, George asked only one thing of us. If we were going to enter a house, would we please get the deed and bring it to him? We agreed to do this and then left for the site. <clears throat> Excuse me. The house was quite beautiful, Lorraine continues, flipping the tartan sash back over her velvet waistcoat. Ed parked the car in the driveway, and we walked once around the house to get a drift of the place. After that, we unlocked the front door and went in. Once inside, the first thing Ed and I did was to walk through the house together, one floor at a time. What we found was a home that looked like it had been hastily evacuated. On the dining room table, there was a gingerbread house all set for Christmas. Newspapers from mid-January, 76, were lying about on tables or on the floor. The kitchen cupboards were stocked with food, as was the refrigerator. In the basement, a stand-up freezer was loaded with a couple of hundred dollars worth of provisions. Laundry was folded in the dryer and ready to be put away. The bar was stocked with sealed bottles of liquor. The closets were full of clothes, suits, dresses, shoes, everything. Jewelry sat on the Lutz's bedroom heirlooms. Even the family photograph album were left behind out in full view for the taking. In short, the house looked just the way your own house probably looked tonight when you came down here to see us. Had these people concocted the story? They certainly wouldn't have left the deed in the house behind, along with a wealth of personal valuables. Our investigation involved going ahead with a seance, says Lorraine. 
Therefore, we returned to the Amityville house at a later date to conduct a night seance before television cameras and recording equipment, as we'd been requested to do. All in all, I believe there was there were 17 people present. Three psychic mediums, including myself, participated in the sitting. Lorraine, Lorraine, Lorraine relates the other two psychics were Miss Alberta Riley and Miss Mary Pascarella. Both Mary and Alberta are ex- exceptionally fine transmedians, both professionals, of course. Both dear friends of ours as well. Before the seance was held, Ed used religious provocation. We knew that if the if an, an if an inhuman spirit was present, it would be provoked by it would be provoked to reach to react by exposure to holy objects. However, we didn't know how it would react. Well, we got a response, all right. Ed nods. Phenomena let go. Not in terms of terrifying external activity, but rather a physical assault on at least half of us present, especially those who had a pivotal job to do during the seance. I began to suffer involuntary physical reactions such as heart fluttering. These palpitations, as I call them, affected me personally for some three weeks after we were in the house. At least half those present during the seance experienced or reported phenomena in the house that they considered to be out of the ordinary. So although the seance was was essentially a fiasco, that fiasco occurred as a result of some external agent. Near the aisle, a dark-haired woman stands up. I was told that the priest in Amityville book never existed. Madame... Lorraine answers, the priest in the case is a friend of, co- of ours. We know him very well. Not only did the things happen to him that were reported in the book, more things happened to him since that were never reported. Father has suffered many times over his involvement in that case. With that reply, the Warrens thank their audience and bring the lecture to an end. As usual, it is not the... End of, end of the questions, half of the people file out, but the other half come to the front of the stage and surround the Warrens. How do you know these demonic spirits you talk about aren't really something human, just mean ghosts? The man asks. Sir, Lorraine answers, sometimes in the beginning of a case, you can't tell the difference between a negative human spirit and a negative inhuman spirit. Both can be extremely malicious and sometimes they can even work together. Only the demonic, however, has the power to bring about such incredible negative phenomena as fires, explosions, dematerialization, teleportation, and levitation of large objects. More than that, in cases of possession, the spirit comes through very clearly. It says that it, it says what it is. Sometimes it calls itself by name, if you listened to a tape recording of the possessed, you would have no trouble recognizing the difference between a human and an inhuman spirit. <clears throat> Why don't you play them here? A woman puts in. We used to play tape recordings for our audiences, Lorraine replies, 
but in a large group of people, there are just too many receptive psychologies. Exposure to real things and bound to have negative effects on some. It proves to be another four. It proves to be another hour before the Warrens are actually able to leave the municipal building. Later that evening, after the talk is over, Ed and Lorraine relax at home with friends. Why do they talk? Why do they take so many questions from the audience at the lectures? The questions are a part of the program, Lorraine answers. When we finish speaking, we always throw open the proceedings for questions, although sometimes she jokes. I wake up in the middle of the night hearing the distant cry of one more question, please. As far as our lectures go, we see them as being a two-way street. People come to hear us talk about talk because they're interested in what we have to say. In return, we provide a good two-hour briefing, I guess you might call it, on the subject of spiritual phenomena. When we're done speaking, we interact with the audience through questions. We see our role as being educational, and this is why we try to answer everybody's question. Why so much interest these days in spirits and supernatural phenomena? People have always been interested in the occult, Lorraine answers. But in the last ten years, the public has been exposed to so much information on the subject of spirits and supernatural that they're trying to come to grips with it. Wherever we go, people have read The Exorcist. They've read about our involvement in Amityville case. They want to know more. They want to learn how and why these terrifying phenomenons occur and what's behind them. That argument the, the argument that spirits are an illusion or psychological quirk doesn't hold water anymore. People want to know the truth, even if the answer even if the answer is downright unpleasant. The Warrens, Warrens speak matter-of-factly about the existence of spirits. How do they reply to the assertion that there is no such thing? There has never been a person, past or present, who could have dis disproved the existence of the supernatural, Ed asserts. But given the same consideration any individual would have in a court of law, I could, if called upon for a proper reason, prove that ghosts exist, the apparitions exist, that haunted houses exist, that supernatural phenomena exist, and that the inhuman demonic spirits exist. Wow, so we hear about what happens when they do a seance in um, the Amityville house. That is insane. Of course, they got um, they got uh, free room of the house from the Lutzes. And um, I just think that that is crazy that they had all those medians. And, um, of course, they were all professionals, she said. So it wasn't like, you know. Um, but... I mean, damn, there must have been a lot of shit that went through. I, I believe there is some shit that went through that, that they didn't even talk about. Um, but uh, that is very true, though, because it, whatever she, what she said about um, it's hard to tell if there's an inhuman or a demonic um, presence because um, they do work together at some points. Um 
and there's been multiple books and even films that I've seen that they work together, um, which makes it even more creepy. Um, and uh, I don't know, I thought it was pretty insane that they all had these, um, that um, Lorraine talks about these heart palpitations that she has. Um, and I thought that that was interesting that it can attack you at that type of physical level. That is insane to think about. Um, anyways, uh, what happens later on, I didn't get a chance to read anymore further. But um, these ghosts actually end up following them home. And it's very interesting. It, um, Of course, it, it attacks at the witching hour. It says in the book, it's, uh, it attacks at 3 a.m., when he's uh, when Ed is in his study, reading up, and then he all of a sudden sees a black shadowy mass um, coming out of nowhere. And this happened after the seance and everything at the Amityville house. And they believe that it followed them home from the Amityville house. Very well could have happened. Very crazy story. It follows him there. Of course, he takes action, scares it away. And scares it away to no other than Lorraine's um, and Ed's bedroom where Lorraine is at. Um, And, uh, of course, she's just reading away. And all of a sudden, she sees a mass up there. They take action and scare it away. Um, Very crazy stuff. So, I mean, it's insane. you got to be super careful on what you do with seances and stuff because they can follow you home. And... uh, that is a very true story that they tell of uh, that demonic spirit and shadow following them home from the Amityville house. But anyways, guys, um, I think that that'll be it. I hope that you guys enjoyed me reading some of the demonologist for you guys. Of course, um, everything that I'm reading is um, is from Gerald Brittle. That, I'm guessing that's how you pronounce his name right. Gerald, Gerald, Gerald Brittle, probably. Um, but yeah, it's called The Demonologist. Um, it's a New York Times bestseller on Amazon. And uh, it is a great, great read. Um, I would definitely uh, recommend it as well. I'm only on, I'm about to hit the second chapter. And um, it just talks about like apparitions and um, different shit like that. Let me go to a different chapter. Um, just like Origins of Ghosts, um, Conjuring Books of Christmas, uh, just di- you know, just different chapters. Um, and uh, I think you guys will really, really like it. It also has uh, pictures in the book of Ed and Lorraine, um, which is really crazy and wild. Just to kind of give you a better dep- depiction of what it looks like. And uh, just kind of talks more about their story and the cases that they have gone through, and their theory, um, their theory behind um, investigating ghosts and the paranormal. So I uh, hope that you guys enjoyed this. If you guys would like me to do some more reading or stuff like this, let me know. Um, shoot us an email at unexpectedhaunting739 at gmail.com. Let us know. Uh, write us a review and hit that subscribe button to our Apple podcast and Spotify. 
We hope that you guys have enjoyed this special podcast episode and that you guys stay safe during this crazy COVID crisis. Thank you guys for joining and have a great night.